Life apps. You know, apps are a good thing. You know, they help make life a little easier, simplify. You know, I wrote down some apps that I thought would have been great to have. Make school fun. You know, you're just there at school and you're like, who cares about this subject? This teacher's boring. And then you just get your phone out and hit that app and it's like all of a sudden it's like playtime. That would be awesome. Kids would love to have the Stop My Parents From Embarrassing Me Immediately app. You know, like a bark collar. You know, it's like if, if the dog's barking and you hit that button, and it's like, wouldn't it be great to have an app? And, you know, your parents are saying stuff and you're like, oh, that's ridiculous. And you just get your phone out and like, boom, and instantly they're cool. We might like a double your pay app. That'd be nice. This one could be handy. The not run out of gas app, even though I've been driving on E for far too long. You know, and you hear the engine start, boom, 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 and you're like, oh, I've got an app for that. Boom, and away you go to the gas station. It'd be great to have a maturity in Christ app. Oh, this growing in Christ stuff is just, it's so laborious. I just want to hit the app button, and now I'm like, Jesus. You know, if you're not a good cook, maybe you would like the This Meal Tastes Awesome Right Now app. Or maybe one, a time control app. Because you know how, like, when you're in the midst of an amazing time, time goes too fast. And when you're in the most boring, lousy time, it goes forever. You know, they had, they had a, a voicemail in Toronto through the phone company that you could digitally speed it up or slow it down. And it was the greatest thing because uh, there was uh, one brother in the ministry, a great brother named Irv, and he talked really slow. So at normal speed, it would be, hello, brother. This is Irv calling. And so you just give him the double speed up, and he'd become, hello, brother, this is Irv calling. I wanted to let you know about what's going on. But my wife is from Nova Scotia, and Nova Scotianers talk exceptionally fast. And so when, you know, Jackie King or her sister would call, you could give it the double slowdown, because otherwise it was... And so you give it the double slowdown, and then it was normal speed. And so if, you know, if you're in one of those situations, like a great vacation, you go, I never want this to end. You could just do double slowdown on the app, and it would take twice as long. You know, what apps would you like to have? You know, we have apps that help us make our communication more efficient. Things like Mowgli. You know, can communicate with groups handily. We have, you know, traffic applications, and they tell you whether it's green, yellow, or red. Don't drive on that. You know, in life, you have those moments, and you go, I just wish I could fix it right now. You know, we are not the first generation of mankind that's tried to fix it at any given moment. In fact, if you go back to the very first humans on earth, 
they were trying to find the Be Happy Now app. And we're going to start over in Genesis 3. See, we're going to look at a couple failed versions of the Be Happy Now app. They tried it and it didn't work. In Genesis 3, starting in verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say, You must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, You must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. The man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some, and I ate it. The Lord God said to the woman, what have you done? And she said, well, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above the livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and eat dust all the days of your life. I'll put enmity between you and woman, between her offspring and yours. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. To the woman, he said, I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. With pain you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. To Adam he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat of it all the days of your life and it will produce thorns and thistles for you. You will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground since from it you were taken. For dust you are. And to dust you will return. This is the first attempt of the Be Happy Now app. You know, it's amazing the life that they had. They had an incredible relationship with God. They would just walk with Him in the garden. They didn't have many rules to follow. They had one. Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Just one. And Satan came to them and said, you want to be happy? Here's how you're going to be happy. You must eat from that tree. Did God really say that? You know, Satan has not invented a new plan for you and I. He's still preaching the same sermon thousands of years later. He says, you want to be happy? You don't need to obey God. You need to do what you want to do. 
And he takes it a step further and he says, you know what, you ought to do what you want because if you do, you're, you're going to become smarter. You're going to be more like God. You're going to be a more spiritual man or woman. Just do it your own way. We live in a society that feels you can invent your own way of being a spiritual man or woman. Don't let anyone impose their standard, even God. He's just trying to run your life. Now, isn't it amazing how somebody can try and teach you the Word of God and you can start feeling your heart, you're just trying to run my life. You just want to control me. That was the same sermon Satan preached to Adam and Eve. He impugned God's heart. God doesn't want what's best for you. That's why he told you you can't have that. He wants to deprive good things from you. God doesn't care about you because if he did, he would let you have that fruit. See, it's the be happy now app. Oh, it failed miserably. All it brought with uh, it was curses. You ever downloaded a program on your computer? that you thought was going to fix a problem and all you did is download viruses? That's what this was. This is a virus. It infected all of mankind for eternity. You see, this is the app that Satan wants to sell us that says you can be successful now. You don't need to do it God's way. You come up with your plan and it'll be great. You say, what's this look like lived out? It's a life that is classified as good. You say, well, well, how do you determine a good life? Well, that's the great thing about it, is you get to decide what good means. And so we always find people that we think are worse and then say, because I don't do that, I'm good. We define our standards of morality and righteousness based upon somebody else's life that we think is more sinful. And so we go, I'm good. I'm not living that way. I'm a good person. It's a life that cannot substantiate what it does by the Word of God. You know, I remember as a college student, if you asked me, I would have said, oh yeah, I live according to the Word of God. I didn't even know what it said. Other than... Genesis 1.1 and John 3.16. I didn't know what the commands were. I didn't know what to obey. But I would have defended my life going, yes, I obey the Bible. All of Southern California says, oh, yeah, we obey the Bible. But, but do you really? You see, Satan is trying to get us to buy his app. Trying to convince us that that happiness is right around the corner if we just do it our way. But it's just like uh, Solomon says in Proverbs 14, 12. Just write that verse down. I'll tell you what it says. It says, there's a way that seems right to a man. But in the end, it leads to death. If you live according to the whatever feels good, go down that path life. The Bible says you will die. And it's not talking about physically. It's talking about spiritually. 
You know, high school students, college students, this is the life you're, you're getting sold. Listen, you need to enjoy life. It's normal. That's what everybody does. You know, one day when you're married and have kids, then you settle down and you can't live that way any longer. But you're supposed to do these things right now. No, there's nothing but pain and hardship and curses on the other side of that app. Don't go there. It failed. It failed with the first two humans. Don't install that app. Another failed app. The next humans, the kids. Go to Genesis 4. Genesis 4, verse 2. Okay, Eve and Adam, they uh, had Cain and Abel. And it says in verse 2 that Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soils and offering the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn among his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry. And his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Cain said to his brother Abel, Let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. The Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he said. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from under the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. This is the Be Happy uh, Now app subtitled, I want to have the good results in my life, but I don't want to have to do the good things to get them. You see, I had Cain and Abel, and Abel gave an incredible sacrifice, and God was fired up, and Cain gave a cheesy one. He gave God something, but it was half-hearted. It wasn't the first, and it wasn't the best. And God was like, you know, Cain, thanks, but that was cheesy. And Cain got bitter about it. God warned him. He said, if you do what's right, will you not be accepted? But sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Now, I want us to think about our lives for a moment. And I want us to think about those highlight situations where we've gotten ourselves into just the biggest possible mess we ever imagined. You know those situations where 10 years before you thought things like, I will never do this, and then you're in the middle of this. You say, how did you get there? It was decision after decision after decision, after decision. I mean, for Cain, the problem was simple. God said, well, just do what's right. 
If you make good decisions, then good things will happen. You make bad decisions, bad things are going to happen. Galatians 6 tells us this. God will not be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. It's just a spiritual principle. You don't make good spiritual decisions and end up in a sinful place. And you don't make sinful decisions and end up in a righteous place. Say, but the amazing thing about this Be Happy Now app that failed here in Genesis 4 is Cain was bitter. But it was 100% his fault. He's upset with God and mad enough at his brother that he killed him. Say, why? What was it he didn't get that he wanted? God's approval? Wait, so you wanted God to feel great about you, so you got bitter and killed your brother. That was your solution to God doesn't feel great about the decisions I've made. He goes, that makes no sense. Well, um, go over to Proverbs chapter 19. Proverbs 19. And, and listen to this verse, verse 3. A man's own folly ruins his life, yet his heart rages against the Lord. You know what Solomon's saying right here? Hey, you made the decision. Why are you upset with God? You ever been there? You're mad at God. If you love me, I wouldn't be in this situation. Maybe it's, you know, this house that's crippling my finances. God didn't sign your mortgage agreement. You ever prayed those prayers? God, why are you doing this to me? And God's like, I, I didn't buy your house. You did. You know, sometimes we feel that way in marriage. Man, I, I thought she was going to make me happy every day. I mean, it seemed that way when we were dating. I mean, what, you know, God, what, what did you do? And God's like, um, you're the one who made the vows. No, we make those life decisions and then it goes south. And we want to blame God. And God's like, uh, no, you made this decision. You put yourself in this situation. But see, the, this failed version of the Be Happy Now app is I want happy results. But I want to be able to do it my way. And if it doesn't work out, I'm going to be bitter at God. It's like I want to steer the car of my life. But God's supposed to direct me in the right way. And God's like, hey, why don't you let me steer? We'll get to that later. But, you know, sometimes we're, we're at a certain place in life where we go, man, I, j I just want to be happy. But we're still trying to reinvent. We're, we're trying to do like a new version 
of Genesis 3 and Genesis 4. See, uh, Cain's problem is he was a victim. And so he blamed everyone else for his problems. And God just told him, if you do what's right, you'll be accepted. That app doesn't work. All right, let's, let's look at what the Bible does say about how to be happy now. Well, one of the first things we've got to do is, uh, you know, on, on your phone, you ever, you read the description, then you, you install the app, and you go, well, this, this isn't what I thought it was. This doesn't do what I thought it was supposed to do. But the fact is, uh, the title was, was a trick. I admit it. I tricked you. Because... As men and women who love God, we're not supposed to try and install the Be Happy Now app. We're supposed to look for the Produce Joy in My Life app. And joy and happiness are two very different things. Happiness, you think about the word happy, happiness is completely related to the happenings in your life. Which means if trouble happens, then you're not happy. If good things happen, then you're happy. Now the trouble with this is that in in Matthew 6, Jesus is going through a long list of things that he's telling us not to worry about because God's going to take care of us. And at the very end of it, he tells us, in verse 33, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be taken uh, care of as well. But then in verse 34, he says, do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Well, what Jesus is saying is that days have trouble. Like, that's just a day. That's not a good day or a bad day. That's just a day. That'd be like giving birth to a baby and go, wow, you know, it was a bad day. They pooped. Uh, yeah, that's what they do. They eat and cry and poop. That's what a baby does. It's not shocking. The first one is because it's like this black tar called merconium. Nobody prepped me for that one. But no parent goes, oh, wow, I'm so shocked. Had to change my child's diaper. You expect it. It's weird if it doesn't need to be changed. But life is the same way. But how do we view it? We go, oh, man, today was just a bad day. Why? Well, I had trouble. But Jesus said every day is going to have trouble. See, we're going to be disillusioned every single time and we'll never get to the right app if what we think is the key is to have no trouble. You see, joy goes far above the happenings of the day. You can be joyful in tough times. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit, and we'll look at that later. So you can be joyful in good and bad times. 
And that's what we need to look for. But as long as in our minds we think that somehow we're trying to create a day where nothing bad ever happens to us, we will, we will never get to the right place because we've got flawed thinking from the start. You know, one of the keys to uh, God's app of, of being happy now or being joyful is live in today. You know, the past, you can't change the past. Have you ever tried to change something you already did? You can't. It's like if you're in the conversation and you get mad and you throw out a hateful word, and, you know, that's one of those time slow down moment, and it's, you know, the, the sound waves are vibrating the other person's tympanic membrane, and you're thinking, why did I say those words? I could have just been humble. But I decided to fight instead. And you're like, I'd like to take it back. Too bad. It's already out there. All of us know those moments. You can't change the past. You can change what you do today. You know what? You can't change tomorrow either. You know why? Because it's not there yet. You will never live in tomorrow. It will always be today. It doesn't matter if you're flying around the world and crossing the date line and doing all those kind of things. It's always now. Psychologists did studies of all the things we worry about. 90% of the things we worry about never come into our life at all. Yeah, but that means 10% do. So one out of ten of the things you worry about is going to happen to you. We worry about so much things. We get crippled by our past. We're paralyzed by the future. And we can't do anything about either. We can only live in the now. Think about how simple your life would be if all you focus on is today. Now, that doesn't mean don't be responsible, don't plan for the future, you know, don't study for a test because, you know, you've got to wait till you get there because it's now. No, I'm not talking about that. Talking about what, what gets your mental energy, what gets your heart. Galatians 5. Let's turn there. I'm not looking at the 19 through 21. I'm skipping that part. See, you can't change the past. That doesn't mean you don't need to repent of sin. But if you get anything from this sermon, listen to this one. Galatians 5:22. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. What the Bible says is you want to have a joyful life? It is a fruit of the Spirit. You know, you're not going to go to an orchard to find potatoes. You're not going to go to a chicken farm to get a steak. Now, you can get fried butter at the Iowa State Fair. 
Have you ever tried to buy something and you go to a store and they're like, oh, we don't sell that here? See, that, that's the way it is. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. That's where it comes from. It's the only place. Now, you can try and create happy moments through the happenings of your day. But the problem is, as soon as that happy moment ends, you're stuck with either the fruit or lack of fruit of the Spirit in your life. It's like if people say, well, I'm going to move somewhere because life will be better there. You know what? It may be. But if you're miserable where you're at, 99.9% problem, the source of misery is you. And so wherever you move, you are. So wherever you move, you brought all your problems with you. If you could somehow move and not bring you, then you'd have a chance of not being miserable. But it doesn't work that way. But that's how we think. Oh, I need to change this. I need to change that. No, you need the fruit of the Spirit in your life. What that means is joy is spiritually achieved. And our society is trying to medicate. That's why people are addicted to drugs, prescription drugs, alcohol. They're addicted to pleasure. They're addicted to entertainment. I want to be entertained all day long, every day. And sometimes we bring that into church. We expect church to entertain us. Listen, worshiping of God is about what we do with God. It's not about whether we're entertained. Do not bring our culture into church. Joy only comes from the fruit of the Spirit. And you can try and be happy from relationships, your new job, money, popularity, a greater education. The list goes on and on and on and on. But if you're not locked into the Spirit of God, you will not be a joyful person. You just won't. You say, what, what, are, what are three practicals to reap that fruit of the Spirit. Well, first let's turn over to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Verse 4 through 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right and pure and lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. The first practical is to rejoice in the Lord. Find your fulfillment in Him. That doesn't just happen. It's a decision that we make and not once. We've got to go there again and again and again and again. As David said in Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd. 
I shall not want. He says, because God is with me, there's nothing else I need to be happy. You say, I think I rejoice in the Lord. Here's the easy acid test. Is God enough for you to be happy? Is he enough? I'm not talking about the theory. I'm talking about in practice. Is God enough? God is the only thing big enough to fill the hole in our heart. And if we try and fill it with anything other than God, it will be empty. God must be enough. We can't go, well, I want God and a better job. I want God and this relationship. I want God and this. There can't be an and. Because if there's an and, what we're saying is, God, you know what? You're, you're, you're awesome. But if I have this, then that will be enough. There's no way you can be connected to the Spirit of God if there's an and. Because whatever the and is, is really your God. You know, Paul says one of the keys there is gratitude of the heart. Thankfulness. If we sit around and think about what we're unhappy with in our life, every single one of us can come up with a long list of things that we wish was different. I wish I'd done this. I wish I'd done that. I wish I'd made this decision. I wish I would have bought, you know, shares of uh, McDonald's and Apple way back when. I wish, you know, wish I hadn't bought this car and wish I would have bought that car. I mean, there's so many things that if we just sit around and think that way. But you know what happens when you start getting involved in other people's lives? You realize how amazing what you have is. Self-focus will hurt us every time. It will rob us of gratitude. Which is easier for you to do? Come up with a list of the things you're thankful for or the things you're not happy about in your life? Most people, it's the things we're unhappy with. Oh, man, we can, we can fire them off. It should be the other way around. It takes work to get there. It is not natural in our society to be encouraging and building up it is much more natural to be cynical and to tear down. That's why I said, Little House on the Prairie is not primetime TV anymore. Because there's no sarcasm. There's no disrespect. They don't tear each other down. The family structure's in place in a good and healthy way. That's boring. Who wants to watch that? We live in a negative cynical and sarcastic society and it creeps into our way of thinking and robs of, robs us of our ability to rejoice in the Lord say so what do I need to do make a list they say how long well start with 50 things and if it doesn't change your heart then do a hundred and if it doesn't change your heart thousand you know what you you make a long enough list of things that you're thankful for your heart will change and then look at it 
Look at it on a regular basis. That's what he says. Whatever is noble, pure, lovely, admirable. You know, that list of what I'm grateful for. Think about such things. Focus on it. Dwell on it. Imagine about how thankful you are. What an incredible situation. That I promise as bad as you think you have it, I'll bet you more than six billion people on this earth would trade places with you in a heartbeat. Maybe more than six billion. Rejoice in the Lord. God must be enough. Go to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. Starting in verse 20. Then Jesus began to denounce the cities in which most of his miracles had been performed because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! If the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted up to the skies? No, you will go down to the depths. If the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. But I tell you that it will be more bearable for Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. You know, why, why we start there, that's kind of depressing. Well, because a lot of times the fact that there's these little headings that people added so we can find our way in there, and verse numbers and chapters... We don't read Scripture in context. We read it as separate little thoughts. But we're going to get to verse 25, but you need to see what Jesus is dealing with here. He's dealing with a group of people, and, and they wanted to be happy now app. And Jesus said, man, I perform miracles. I told you the truth. I showed you where happiness is found. And you walked out of here unchanged you know right now you're making decisions in your heart you walked in here knowing whether or not you're really happy and fulfilled or not and i'm not talking about what you'll tell the person sitting next to you if you say hey how's life going because the standard answer oh it's going great life's awesome even if you cried yourself to sleep last night out of despair you know where you're at and right now, you have an opportunity to take a different path. Right now, you have the opportunity to go and get linked in with the Spirit of God. And find that source of joy that will allow you to live life above the circumstances and happenings of your day. It's what we want. But the world can't sell us this. It's not found. It's not in any store they have. It's only with God. And he's laying it out going, you know what? You've seen the miracles. You know the truth. But you walked out of here and didn't change. 
And then in verse 25, at that time, Jesus said, right after what he just said, he says, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, this was your good pleasure. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. You know what he said? God, thank you that you let the kids see the truth. You know who missed it? The smart guys. The wise and learned. The ones who knew better. The highly educated. The ones that walked in and said, Yeah, I don't like this sermon. I'm going to do it my way. I know better. But the ones with the childlike heart saw the truth. And Jesus told God, Thank you. Thank you for making it clear to them. And in verse 28, he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you're excited about the topic, the Be Happy Now app, you know why that is? Because there's some kind of burden that you have on your heart. And you're excited because you're hoping to hear something that would take away the burden. And Jesus says, here's the app. We're going to trade burdens. You know, everything that's on your heart, the pain, the suffering, the hurts, the wounds. Let me carry that. And you take mine. Yo, man, that's... That's a good upgrade. You, know, you upgrade your phone. You done that? Isn't it cool? You walk in there and you're like, ah, this phone doesn't work right. And then you get the new one and you're like, oh man, I should have done this a long time ago. This one's faster. It does more stuff. The calls are better. You know. That, that's what G's trying to convince us this morning. He's saying, let's upgrade. He goes, let's trade. He goes, I'll carry what's burdening you. And you carry mine. Now, the fact is, there's a burden that is involved. But Jesus says, if you carry mine, it's easy and light. Yeah, you ever carried somebody's luggage? And, and you, like, lift it, and you're like, there's bricks in this. You know, every youth camp, I'm amazed. <laughs> no, it's camping, and there, it's like small houses. And you lift it up, and you go, how many bricks are in here? This is heavy. And then you pick up another one, and this is, this is easy. And you go, I'd rather carry this one. Jesus says, give me the heavy one. You see, when you feel burdened, the last thing you want to hear about is carrying a burden. But you have to carry one. That's just the rules of life. You must carry a burden. When you leave, you will carry a burden. The question, is it the light and easy one that Jesus offers? Or will it be the heavy one that you came in with this morning? It's your choice. That's the good news. 
you know, you can kind of lift them both up and go, let's see, which do I want to walk out of here with? He says, it's a yoke. You know, a yoke, you put it over two cows. It's a wooden bar, so the cows have to work together. They're stuck. They're there. Jesus says, it is a commitment to take his burden. It's not Sunday morning. It's all day, every day. You've got to love me, number one. You've got to seek first the kingdom. You've you got to totally change the value structure of your life. I'm not a Tylenol that you take when life gets rough. You've got to revamp your whole lifestyle to put me first. But he goes, the burden that goes with that is easy and light. The more committed you are to Jesus, the easier and lighter it becomes. Remember, you've got to carry one burden. So if you go, well, it's too much. I can't handle it. I don't want to have to go to church twice a week or, you know, read my Bible all the time. I don't want to have to do that. Basically what you're saying is, no, 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 I prefer to carry the heavy load. I don't want your easy one. Give me the hard one. It's a choice we make. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. The thing that we want. The app that we're looking to install, it's only found through the Holy Spirit of God. It's only found in a committed life to Jesus Christ. There's no magic pill that we're going to take to solve all of our problems because life has troubles. But if we're linked into the Spirit of God, the joy that we have through Him can enable us to live life above the fray. You say, what will you decide? You're deciding your heart right now as I speak. Will you talk to the person who brought you here and say, will you study the Bible? I want help. I want to know what to do. I want to know what it means to be committed. I want to be able to define my life according to Scripture and not some vague good morality that the world says is okay. I want to know for sure because I need relief in my soul. And that's what Jesus says. Learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart. He said, and you will find rest for your souls. That's what joy brings. It's a peace. It's, it's an incredible thing that no matter how the day was, when your head hits the pillow, like, oh, that was awesome. That's what Jesus wants for each one of us. But we've got to install the right app. Satan's trying to sell you his bill of goods. Don't go down that path. They tried it in Genesis 3 and 4. It doesn't work. We can't do it our way. We've got to do it God's way. I pray that each one of us will make the right decision as we leave. So that we're not trying to be happy. But we get locked in and produce the fruit of joy from God's Spirit and live out the life He's called us to. Let's stand as we close in one final song.